Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Chris Evans here. A big thank you for downloading our Virgin Radio podcast. Coming up on this week's edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky, Dean Charles Chapman, George McKay and Sam Mendes take us through their absolutely phenomenal new movie, 1917. Superstar Olympian Max Whitlock tells us how to get fit wherever you are with his new book, The Whitlock Workout. Sophie Cookson telling us about playing Christine Keeler in BBC One's The Trial of Christine Keeler. And Kate Allenson and Kay Featherston, who are Pinch of Nom, talking about recipes from their new brilliant book, Pinch of Nom Everyday Light. Plus, Tom Davis, Asa Butterfield, Freddie Fox, and so many more great guests for you to enjoy. They're being nominated and winning awards like it's going out of fashion, and if the reviews are anything to go by, you should not be surprised at all. The breathtaking World War One epic 1917 is out in cinemas this Friday, and here to tell us all about it, please welcome director and writer Sam Mendes and star Dean Charles Chapman. Good morning, gentlemen. Have a round of applause and a cheer on us. How are you both? <laughs> good. Very good, thank you. Right, very who's well. the most jet-lagged from the Golden Globes award-winning weekend out of the two of you? It looks like Dean to it me. Looks like me. I look terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, she's and yeah. you're the young book here. Oh no, I should be on it. Be tripped, well, maybe a... you were. Yeah. <laughs> he was on it. That's the problem. Still recovering. Uh, tell everybody, Sam, about your film, about your granddad, about the tale you have chosen to tell. Well, it's um, it was influenced by my granddad, like you said. He fought in the war um, between 1916-1918. He went there as a seventeen-year-old, enlisted as a boy, really, and uh, he never talked about it at all with his family um he didn't speak about it until he was in his late 70s but he chose to tell his grandchildren about it one of whom was me uh and the stories he told we all expected i suppose stories of bravery heroism how he won his medals and what have you and in fact there were stories about chaos and chance and luck and uh the coincidence you know and the, and the fact that how thin the line was that that separated him from the friends of his that died alongside him uh and that always stayed with me, um, particularly one story he told about carrying a message through No Man's Land. He was a very small man, my granddad. He was five foot four. And the mist in the winter on No Man's Land hung at six foot. So they would send him with messages because he couldn't be seen above the top of the mist. And I suppose that image just stayed with me, along with the fact that when we were kids, we noticed that he washed his hands the whole time. And I used to laugh at him and uh, until I asked my dad, I said, you know, why does granddad wash his hands and he said it's because he remembers the mud of the trenches and the fact that he could never get clean and even then I suppose I was 11 or 12 it struck me as amazing that somebody should still have that as part of the very fiber of his being you know that he 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 wasn't even aware that's why he washed his hands so much but we all knew it and couldn't talk about it so I suppose we pestered him until he told us those stories and that image of him alone in no man's land that was the kind of genesis of this movie and then when I sat down to finally have the courage to write my own script because I you know until now I've been a director for hire you know I work on other people's scripts that was the story I found I wanted to tell and we just thought well what if he that man carried on what if that man took that message further across the whole landscape of war and that was the beginning so the movie's not about my granddad but it's because of my granddad that I, that I wrote it and then um, you know we created these two roles one of which was was is played by Dean 
Okay, so Dean, tell us about who you play and how you found the whole experience. Uh, my character's called Lance Corporal Blake. Um, he was a young soldier on the Western Front. Um, he's not as experienced as uh, the other character in the film, Schofield. Um, he's, he's, only, he's only been there a few weeks, and um, but he's still a good soldier. He's a very warm character. He's a good kid. Um, and how did I find the whole experience? Blimmin' hard work. <laughs> now, listen, it was... Yeah, the the thing was, I've never really had to do anything before where I've had to do this much research and I've never had to do anything this physical, really, before. The conditions we were filming in were very realistic and um, and we also filmed it in one continuous take. So, you know, some sequences that we shot could last up to eight, nine minutes long. You know, and we're either running or walking along in the trenches and it's, you know, it takes a lot out of you. Um so uh, we've now been joined by his, uh, another character. Who the heck's just run, run in here? It's like he's just—it's he's, like he's run from the final scene of the movie straight into the radio yeah, show. I just said to him, I haven't seen him look like this since the last day of shooting. Um, he looks all flushed and his hair's all blown away. You, you know, every time I see him these days, he's groomed, but not today. <laughs> Who is this guy? This is George Mackay, who plays Ch- uh, Schofield in in the movie. And uh, well done, mate. You just got off a plane. Yeah, literally. You are the Phil Collins of nineteen seventy-seven. <laughs> he won't even know what that means. No, exactly. No, he's too, he's too young. He's gone from Jimmy Fallon to Chris Evans in ten hours. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny like, I, I got off and I was like sprinting down the tube and I saw like a discarded metro which has got an advert for the film on it and it said time is the enemy and I was like <laughs> no, I had five minutes to get here I was like oh come on so, so you've been on the Jimmy Fallon show yeah 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 how yeah. was that what did you get up to oh, god I was, I was really nervous actually like it was alright like it, he was really lovely like it was it was grand. He was really friendly. It was very sort of like energised. Did you have to do one of those things where you pre-rehearse a story you're going to tell? Like sort of. They, they, to be honest, yeah, they come in and they sort of discuss what. Yeah, the, we did, kind we of did that with Issy. They were in at five o'clock. Yeah, they were, <laughs> it went really well. Okay, I'd cool. say. I mean, you can play catch up if you like, but good luck. Okay. Cool, cool. So remind everybody if they've just tuned in, who do you both play, and what is your what is your task as soldiers in 1917 on April the sixth? Well, I play um, Lance. Um, I'm George, and I play Lance Corporal Schofield. Um, and, and I, I play uh, Lance Corporal Blake, and uh, we're two soldiers that get sent on a mission to deliver a message to try and stop an attack on 1,600 men's lives. And my character, Blake, his own brother, is one of the 1,600 men. OK, so that's your incentive, uh, your character's incentive to go, because you know your bros is one of the lives you, you could potentially save. The movie opens in, in a, a field of wildflowers. There's a distant horizon. Um, like the way that that you, you square the circle at the end of the movie as well, yeah. and so uh, Dean, you, you're you're picked first by your commanding officer, yes, yeah. uh, and then and then you you have to pick somebody to go with you. Exactly. Okay. I can't wait for people to see this film. I can't wait for everybody listening to the show to see this film. You really want to go and see it, don't you, Rachel? I saw the trailer on Sunday. We went to watch the Star Wars movie with the kids and uh, we watched the trailer and we were all hypnotised. The boys are all desperate to watch it, but I think they're probably too young. But the response it elicited in them, we were all just captivated. Are you two ready for all this? Ready for... uh, For what happens next? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. The film, the film's taught us to just be very much in the in the, in the now. You know, I have to say though, they've been they've been brilliant. You know, they they, they haven't let it go to the heads, and it's you know you, they've worked incredibly hard. But the weird thing is, we've been promoting it for over a month now. But like I said about the, the, the Golden Globes, you know, the, people haven't actually seen it yet. And I think we're all looking forward to the moment that, you know, that a lot of people, the, the general public, I mean, real people actually see the movie. <laughs> real people. Thank you, gentlemen. 
Thanks, Thanks thank you so okay, much. Okay, uh, let me tell you again. Uh, 1917 in cinemas, uh, Europe-wide from this Friday, the 10th of January, as the billboards say, you must see this film. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. <laughs> Whether you're the type to say, of course, to a pommel horse or would rather miss a triple twist, our next guest's first book is a must-read. The Whitlock Workout is out today, so ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Team GB's double Olympic gold medalist. It's the back-flipping fantastic <laughs> Max Whitlock. <laughs> Morning, <laughs> Maxie. I'm good. That How are you? Brilliant. Yeah, I'm good. So the book's you. out today. Today, the yes. The book is out today. The Whitlock yeah. workout. Get fit and healthy <laughs> in minutes with Max Whitlock's workouts and recipes. So, uh, how long did you spend putting this together? How much does your sofa really feature in the exercise regime? Oh, uh, massively. Yeah, it took me a long time. I think um, that's why I'm kind of really, really proud of this because um, there's a lot of work that's going into it. It's well over a year's worth of work, um, and obviously throughout. If you, if you take it back, I've been doing gymnastics nearly 20 years and I wanted to package something up throughout my whole experiences from when I was young as a gymnast, exercises I did then, building foundations, exercises I still do now um, to help basically um, keep my flexibility, coordination, agility, movement, keep it all literally up to top scratch and I wanted to package it up for everybody, any age, any ability to try. Okay, now that's that's all right for you. You are right now rated uh, number one in the pommel in the world. By the way, that's on the whole planet. As I say, <laughs> you're going to be flying the flag for us in Tokyo in 197 days from now. But what can we learn from you? How have you distilled what you do to help benefit those of us who are nowhere near your kind of fitness? So I've adapted it. Um, obviously, it, you don't need to be a professional athlete for this. You don't need to be a regular gym goer. It's, it's made for everybody. And I've adapted it so that they're all workouts from home and they advance to workouts outside as well. But the main bulk of the workouts are at home. So they had a sofa workout, the, the cushion crusher <laughs> and the full body title workout. Which they need no equipment apart from the stuff that's traditionally in your living room. Right, now we've, we've all got our own version. I've had over years of the sofa workout, <laughs> the cushion <laughs> crash. Uh, <laughs> what are you? What's involved in your sofa workout, for example? So there, I've um, they're four minute cycles. I wanted to make them really quick. People right. are so busy, as you know, um, and the biggest excuse is that they can't fit in exercise in their daily lives. Yeah, and for me. Uh, that's that's really quite frustrating because so that's why I wanted to make them four minute cycles and you can choose to do one two three or four if you're really really advancing. Um, so if you do if you did choose to do one or two, you could get up in the morning fifteen minutes earlier yeah. and do Which these. Which is a good thing exercises. anyway because it takes the pressure off you. you yeah. You're getting ready for the day. Hundred percent. So I always advise to do it in the morning because I think it does set you up. I think it makes you feel good, makes you more productive throughout the day. But it changes but, your biochemistry, doesn't it? it? Yeah, it really does. There's science behind that um, and. There's unique exercises in there. So there's stuff, obviously, like I said, that I've done throughout my whole career that I wanted to put in there. And there's exercises that probably aren't traditionally in normal workouts. So there's stuff that will help your joints in terms of your, your wrists, your elbows, your, your ankles, all stuff like that, that will strengthen all the little muscles in your body that will help a lot of people with movement. And just general stuff in terms of running up the stairs will become so much easier. Like Even if it's like basic stuff like the stuff that's second nature to a gymnast, um, and the reason why I've done it is because I, every time I step into a gym, I do a full body workout every single time. I use it, every muscle in my body. And I thought a gymnast takes their body to the limit and of what it can do. And I wanted to give that an ounce of that to, to the everyday person. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's hear some of these amazing titles of recipes from Max's book. Over to you, Vass. I like the London 2012 Healthy Fish and Chips. Yep. I like the Rio 2016 Brazilian stew, yeah. but I particularly like, because there's a lot of alliteration going on here, the Tokyo 2020 Toki 
Well, there was a lot of alliteration alliteration going on. The Tokyo 2020 Turkey Teriyaki... Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Tokyo 2020 Turkey Teriyaki Stir Fries. Very good. Yeah, I wanted to make it quite personal to me. So, obviously, they're the three. three, The two Olympics I've been to, the one I'm obviously hoping to go to this year... um, and they're, they're dishes that I all love and they're dishes that are amazing and they're healthier versions. And obviously, I wanted to include stuff like fish and chips. There's, there's a healthier burger in there. All stuff like that is is so important because I've, I've spoke about in the book the 80-20 rule and I, I truly believe in it, not being far too intense. It's about 80% of the time, try and be good. 20% of the time, treat yourself. And I've done that through my whole career and that's why I wanted to get that across in the book. So I remember the first time I ever covered gymnastics, in the flesh. It was the World Championships in Debrecen. I was there for Eurosport. Beth Tweddle did really well for, for Great okay. Britain, just yep. before the real explosion. Yep. And I remember thinking, my goodness me, gymnasts have kind of, it's kind of the peak of human performance. So what the human body can do, these people do it better than anybody else in the world. Nice. And then I thought, recently, watching the free solo film, actually, gosh, climbers... They're really, they're kind of absolutely perfect. Yep. So you, up against um, uh, uh, Tommy, the guy that from Free Solo, the the, the, the climbing guy, yep. on Ninja Warrior. Who, Who wins? Oh, God. Oh. Well, well, let's put it to the test. <laughs> it's a Netflix show waiting to happen. I have said I wanted to give that a try because it would be good. You would kill it. It would you be, would be amazing on Ninja Warrior. <laughs> Who would you pick? No, but you'd pick seven people. You don't call it Ninja Warrior because then you have to oh, license okay. it from them. So, <laughs> can we get you? We get. Um, it's Alex from Free Solo, isn't it? Alex from Free Solo and Tommy's from the... Um, Okay. Um, that'd be cool though. A Netflix one-off. It'd be like the, the uh, Kipchoge um, <laughs> sub two. Sub two yeah. it? That would be cool. That'd be like that would be like the the ultimate athlete, wouldn't amazing. it? Amazing. That would be good. And that, that's why I like. That's why I love gymnastics so much because what it can teach is, is so much for the body and uh, it's, it's such a transferable sport like there's, there's other athletes that come into gymnastics to try to improve their sport like in terms of rugby fighting all this stuff um, because it the, the movement increases massively so I think there's a lot of people gaining from the sport but it's uh, it's still got a lot of room to, to grow Has it changed since you started the whole philosophy of working out? Um uh, a little bit. I mean, I've always done it just as it's what I do as a gymnast. You know, basically, all your conditioning exercises, every exercise that you do is is really targeted as a gymnast. Um, and it's building up to sort of make you be able to withstand and build a foundations for when you're older to, for your body to withstand uh, the high pressure demanding skills when you're older. So that's what it's, it's about. It's about building that really strong foundation that has, has everything that you, you could ask for. When did you find out about Tokyo? When, when, uh, when two you... months before. Simple as that. Is it? It's always, yep. is, that the, is, that the, is that the format? Is that how it works? Um, no, that's just the way the timings are done this year. So after European Championships, the team will be selected. That means all the trials have been finished, all, all of them are done. Every athlete has competed for them. Everyone's done their best shot. And then it's teams picked. Four men go. Max, thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you very much thank for having me. Thank you for putting up with us. And thanks for joining in. Thank you. You are a top man. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. You don't build the UK's most visited food blog without knowing a thing or two about the finer foodie things in life. Their cookbook, Pinch of Nom, Everyday Light, is flying off the shelves. And here to tell us more are the low-calorie culinary queens themselves. Please welcome Kate Allenson and Kay Featherstone, also known as Pinch of Nom. Pinch of Nom. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Welcome, welcome. How are you both? Very well. How was your Christmas? It was... It was it nice was still, and quiet. Yeah, it was quiet. How much numbing went on? 
Quite a bit, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. We're always nobbing. Yes. Right, tell us. So the first book, uh, the first book that was out last year, uh, sold two hundred thousand copies within the first three days. Okay. How did you meet? Right, let's 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 start with how the heck did you? It's like Lennon and McCartney, isn't it? For heaven's sake, how did you two get together? Uh, we started dating. What? How many years ago now? About fourteen. Is it fourteen, 14 years? Fourteen oh, wow. years ago. So, yeah. so how did you meet? Was it? We met online. Online. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So back you met... when online dating was a bit odd. Um, and yeah, we just we went to Rill on our first date, <laughs> yeah. and we've been together. Love since. Rill, love Towin. Yes, love love um, uh, Colwyn Bay. Yeah, it's really pretty. Prestatin, we live like half an hour away, so so so, so that's fourteen years ago. But the first book, um, the global bestseller, first book was it was only last year. So tw- so how did that happen? So twelve years into you being together, where did this pinch of non book come from? Well, we um, so we closed the restaurant. Kate's mum really wasn't very well, and. And we decided to try and lose some weight, didn't we? So we went off to our local swimming group and we were a little bit disheartened. So we were like, how can we help people? We started the blog and here we are, which is a little bit mental. So tell us about how you how you began your blog, first of all. We just started posting our food. Yeah, well, we had we had kind of a little blog at first, um, originally, um, but it wasn't exactly the healthiest so what was it was it recipe straight off or your story or how you felt that day or what no it was just recipes recipes. literally just a place where we could post recipes and what was it called pinch of numb and where did the where did the name (laughs) where did the name pinch of numb come from oh um (laughs) can you can you say can you say or not no 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 we can okay um kate's sister lisa hates the word numb like cookie monster nom 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 (laughs) really gets under her skin and I was sat there and I was like, what can we call it? What can we call it? And she's looking at me going, don't, just just don't. And I was like, oh, we're going to call it Nom. So, yeah, Pinch that's where it came from. Right, and you, you don't seem to have the sharpest of elbows in as much as you weren't really, you know, chomping at the bit, chomping at the pinch of, <laughs> nom, nomping at the bit, if you like, <laughs> pushing other chefs out of the way. But the, you just landed on planet Earth and so sold one and a half million copies and counting of this book. So so why do people like it? What Did you have that many followers and they just wanted a bit of you physically? Because that sometimes is the way, isn't it? I don't think it's, it's like continued to grow, hasn't yeah. it? I think yeah. it's it's just because people wanted unfussy food. They want food that they can make and enjoy with their family. And that's exactly what we gave because yeah, that's all we... We just cook what we like to eat. Right. Really. So was there ever any pressure? Did you feel under pressure at any point? It's a good question. It's a good question. Do you feel under pressure? Maybe sometimes Maybe a little, a bit, little yeah. bit. But did you did you ever before, well. or is that a new thing that comes with success? I think it's it's definitely it's been a new, a new thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so um, how did you feel about coming up with another book? You know, now less less than oh, like twelve the months. Follow up album. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was. There's been a bit of pressure there. Yeah. But so, people have loved it so yeah, far, so we've been pretty happy. Okay, so so when did this one come out? It's available now in Harbour. I've got it in front of me. Pinch of Nom, Everyday Light, 100 Tasty Slimming Recipes, all under 400 calories. calories. And by the way, we're talking hash brown bakes. <laughs> we're talking all the stuff that I love that I just won't have. Uh, because I, just, I love hash browns. When we were on holiday yeah. at the breakfast buffet in Tenerife a couple of days ago, right, on the last day... My kids have been having hash browns all the time because they never stop running around and they can do what they want, basically for now. But little do they know what's around the corner. <laughs> but um, So on the last day, I thought, I'm going to have a hash brown. And I went up to the breakfast buffet and I picked up a hash brown with the tongs and I put it back. Because I thought, no, it's not worth it. But page one of this book, hash brown bake, yeah. bring it on. Hash brown bake. We've got sausage and egg muffins. There's All under 400 calories? All under 400 calories. How do you do? What, is, there a, is there a secret to it all? We just swapped out what the naughtier things for 
healthier options. Healthier options. So look, look at this first. I know you don't eat meat anymore, but if you if you did, you'd you'd go there, wouldn't you? I might start crying tiger beef. Oh, that that has been so popular in our Facebook group. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Ah, Facebook group. Yes. Right, Facebook done right can achieve great things, can't it? So are, yeah. you, are you very big? Is that your biggest social platform, Facebook? Um, I would say so. Yeah, I'd, I'd Definitely. Say so, yeah. and Face- you, our Facebook group's amazing. Do you Instagram? Do you do, you do all that stuff? No, well, we do, do Instagram, it, yeah. but it's food. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is what we do. Has, has Telly come and knocking? Do they, do they want oh, a piece of Oh, everyone's come and knocking. And, and Everybody. You, okay, any, any, are you tempted to open the door to anyone in particular? I don't know. I think we're just going to see what happens. Yeah, we're not... We're a bit shy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, well, you're. Sh- are you shy? No, you're not. You're just normal. You're modest. Yeah, we're you're just the opposite people. Of, yeah, you're the opposite of us three, to be honest. <laughs> and we wish we were a bit more like you. Um, if you want to borrow borrow a bit yeah. more of us, then you, then you absolutely can. All right, Vassus, you have a great couple of questions. So th- this new book is everything under four hundred calories. Yes. How do you know? We work with a nutritionist. Um, so there's the nutritionist that we work with on the book. Yeah, as, as we're sort of creating recipes, we work out sort of a rough sort of estimate of how many calories are in them, and then they all go to a nutritionist, and so they I, work them out. We get a full breakdown of. So if I look up online and I say how many calories in an apple or an avocado, and it says well, I don't know fifty, a hundred, um, does that change then when you cook? The apple and the avocado. Do, I mean, do calories just stay the same? Yeah, sorry, I'm nodding. I'm, I'm realising I'm not speaking. <laughs> yeah, they do. I mean, calories do yes. change, particularly in rice. Yeah, sort of how, how things are cooked is taken into account when, when the Yeah, obviously if you add a load out, of oil yeah. and yeah. that egg is going to have more calories because it's got the oil mm-hmm. in. But like rice, if you boil rice, does that in- increase the amount of calories just with water? Well, you increase value, volume. Yeah, so yeah I don't people, think it like increases calories. I heard yeah, this no, once. No, no, no. Yeah. There's, there's just a difference between dry rice yeah, and weighing cooked rice. Dry yeah, rice. So if you, put, you, when you, weigh it out. if you put a grain of rice on your tongue, leave it there long enough, it'll start to go sweet, it starts to turn sugar. But it still has the same amount of calories and it. it can't change, can it? No. It's born with those calories, it dies with those calories. Uh, but calories can be added or taken away. Thank you both for coming in. You're more than welcome. Thank you. You're so amazing. You're amazing. Thank you. Okay, Pinch of Nom, book two, Everyday Light, out now. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We've heard from three guests already, but there's loads more still to come. Tom Davis tells us what to expect from BBC One's new comedy series, King Gary. Asa Butterfield chats season two of Sex Education on Netflix. And Freddie Fox tells us about starring in the gripping new ITV drama, White House Farm. All that and more, but first, Dapper Dave, who's next? The Perfumer Affair rocked British politics to its core, and BBC One's The Trial of Christine Keeler, which continues this Sunday at 9pm, gives a real glimpse behind that particularly saucy curtain. Here to tell us all about it is the lady charged with bringing Miss Keeler to life. Please welcome the quite superb Sophie Cookson. Good morning, Soph. Welcome, Good welcome. Morning. Hubba, hubba, hubba. <laughs> how in shape, how uh, over and above the norm, might you have had to get for the trial of Christine Keeler? 
Oh, I mean, that didn't really re- require anything. That was just kind of looking like I drank a lot of whiskeys and smoked one too many cigarettes. Yeah, so tell <laughs> us about your Christine, because I, I, met, the, I met Christine Keeler a couple of times. Wow. I knew the guy who, who represented her for a while. Uh-huh. Um, t- tell us about your research, because her son has said that um, you've very much nailed her as a character. Yeah, which is like the biggest compliment ever. Um, Luckily, there's so much information out there. And Amanda Coe, the writer, Rebecca Ferguson, producer Kate Triggs and Andrea Harkin, the director... That there is so much out there, and but watching little interviews on YouTube, they're very much um, a mask of who she was, and it's the public persona of her. So for us, it was about finding the real woman and, and working out who she was. Her autobiography was very important in that, and then just a brilliant script that was full of contradictions. And she's feisty one minute, and she's vulnerable, and it's all in the writing. Okay, people haven't seen it by the way. Uh, first three episodes on iPlay. That's how I watched them this week because I was away uh, for Christmas, so I didn't get to see them. Then I saw a, a sneaky preview episode. Episode four, episode four this Sunday, 9pm, BBC One. Catch up, as I say, on the iPlayer. Um, she was actually a very sharp cookie, wasn't she? Yeah, well, it's funny because um, Mandy Rice-Davis, who was knocking around at the same time as her and was embroiled in the scandal, she was much more savvy in terms of press and publicity and how she wanted to represent herself, whereas Christine floundered a bit more under the pressure. I mean, understandably so, because she was so demonised by the press and the public. Um, and I think she struggled to navigate that. And the only way she could kind of keep afloat was to sell her story. But then she was demonised even more for doing so. Do you think she, she, she cared about all that in the end? Or do you think... I think she cared that she was, you know, tarnished with such an awful reputation and, and ultimately she she wasn't really guilty of anything. Do you think she cared about it at the time or, or maybe later on in life? I think she cared that she couldn't really walk down the street and like if she was in a car she'd had eggs thrown at her and she was called every name under the sun yeah, yeah. Um, and to live with that for the rest of your life she was never allowed to recover her reputation whereas you know Profumo even Stephen Ward you know they, they all managed to even you know upset. Stephen Ward sadly died but posthumously he's been kind of his reputation's been salvaged. Now you're you're Stephen Ward is James Norton yeah and he's, ne- he's never been better I don't think I think oh, he's, he's so good absolutely brilliant yeah, but you're all so good in it oh thank you well it was a really interesting casting process um, I came on board first and then working out all of the, the different pieces of the puzzle um, Ellie Bamber who plays Mandy Rice Davis is an absolute hoot in real life <laughs> as well so really, that was really fun yeah. and, and James strikes an incredibly careful note of obviously playing someone who was grooming young girls yeah. but also Christine absolutely loved him and he ended up being a father figure to her so he treads that very fine line of being uh, the good guy but also you know not necessarily having the best intentions sometimes where did you film it because i'm all i i'm a bit of a geek for this because i try and spot the muses and the houses and by the way i had to pause it and rewind a couple of the car scenes some amazing cars <laughs> the cars are great and the oh. scenes in them <laughs> yeah, you got the chinese, i think there's a chinese eye bentley in there there's a, a beautiful sort of uh, caribbean pearl alvis in there there's um stephen wards is that a jaguar xk120 <laughs> but it was great because the guy that owned a lot of these cars knew Mandy Rice Davis and no Keela and it's incredible like how many people they or they they have a connection to her yeah, it's yeah. brilliant it kind of felt like I was one of the only people well, that hadn't met <laughs> I mean a couple, maybe 10 or 15 years ago it was more likely but it's still it is still likely now that if you just go around London Muses mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the people you know who, who were 
groovy, if you like, or, or mm. current, you know, at the time, or you know, have had uh, dalliances with publicity and, and things things that, that we may have heard of, still live in those muses. Yeah, it's incredible. But even just in terms of how many different um, groups of people Christine transcended, like she she was um, friends with people of all different types of classes, races, like all different you know echelons of society. So it's kind of not not surprising in a way that you know she had such a a far-reaching kind of touch. and I, I love the period um, living rooms and all the, oh, the, the radiograms and <laughs> yeah every, every set we walked into you just want to live there don't you something. <laughs> did you no oh, come Chris on, no, no. This no the one thing lot. that I really really loved was a painting and I couldn't really smuggle that out painting so. of what oh, it's just in um, Cumberland Muse it's just, it was just like a really beautiful abstract painting I was like it's not going to look anywhere Good right. in my house. Now, I haven't seen five and six. I've seen the film Scandal. Did you watch Scandal? I did not. I was Ger- very careful Ger- not to watch it because I didn't want to... Because our take's very fresh, which is what I love on it. It's very much from Keeler's perspective, yeah. and which seems very important because with all the reporting, she's the one voice that always seems to be missed off. Uh, but no, I just wanted to, to keep it our own. Have you seen version. it since? No, I think after I've done publicity i'll finally be able to good watch it. i think you'll enjoy it i think you'll enjoy it because they're both brilliant okay sophie's show sophie cookson in the trial of christine killer continues episode four of six this sunday bbc one and it's very good the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky on virgin radio he's a giant of british comedy and it's six foot seven inch tall i mean that literally and figuratively <laughs> the brand new bbc one series king gary he co-wrote and stars in begins tonight at 9 30 so ladies and gentlemen without further ado please welcome the master of mirth himself it's the Quite brilliant, Tom Davis. Good morning, wow. Good Tom. Morning How are you? Very well, mate. Yeah, yeah. you Very are a well. big. He's a big lad, isn't he? I mean, I've seen you on Soccer M a couple of times. You fill the screen there, but to meet you in person, <laughs> it's yeah. On, on TV, it's sort of deceptive. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, there's the shard, and there's you from where I'm sitting here. I, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sort of. I, I actually helped build the shard. I was doing the scaffolding it when it started. You did not. Yeah, okay, because yeah, you were yeah. you were genuinely a scaffold. Yeah, I was. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah. Okay. So when I look at that, I look at very. It's one of my best bits of work. Right now. <laughs> oh, congratulations. <laughs> Well done, uh, and it's a it's a living monument to you there right now. So half past uh, so, uh, nine tonight, BBC One. Um, how excited are you? How nervous are you about tonight? Uh, yeah, anxiety is rife through my body. I've got to tell you, I'm pretty nervous. It's a it's a big thing, uh, a sort of BBC One prime time sort of sitcom. It's uh, yeah, pretty nervous, excited as well. You know, it's everything that I think I've I've been working towards for the last sort of. Sort of ten years, so so it was. There was a pilot episode, wasn't there, a couple of years ago? And yeah, was, last Christmas. It was picked up mm-hmm. uh, a few changes because they they said, "Can you rein in the characters because they're unbelievable?" And you said, "No, well, they're actually based on real people, and we've already reined them in." Yeah, I mean that's the thing about it. I think there's a sort of um, sort of like middle class sort of interpretation of how uh, the working classes are. And when it came out, there was quite a lot of press that was was sort of saying, "Oh, these people don't exist." And I'd sort of say, just come down a pub with me and my pals, <laughs> well, uh, they, you know, meet my do. family. We're, uh, you know, the the people, they're big characters. Uh, they're gregarious, and uh, yeah, we wanted to put that on screen. So yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's it's a slice of my reality. So King Gary, okay, you play mm-hmm. King Gary, yeah. and uh, um, you, you, your dad features heavily, or Gary's dad features yeah. heavily. Okay, played by Simon Day. Simon Day, who's brilliant. In oh, he's it. amazing. Well, everybody's brilliant in it. Everybody's brilliant in it. I watched it uh, yesterday afternoon, and it had me chuckling away, and I was thinking. You know, because I think for TV, for to get on now, you have to be brilliant. And comedy's comedy was comedy was as bit was fantastic for like thirty or forty years. Then it just went a bit rubbish. It went a bit off. It became a bit scared of itself. Yeah. And now it's enjoying this real renaissance. And I I love your character. So so the, the first episode is all about King Gary trying to um, circuitously and uh, and uh, clandestinely get 
planning permission for for an extension oh, yeah, yeah. to his new house without his neighbours noticing that they're being asked. I think that's actually that's about episode three. I've I watched yes them on one. No, I think they're all. Oh, it's very today. good. Let me tell no, you. Thank you. It's my favourite <laughs> one actually. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's. I think it's episode. I think they all come out as a box set in this new age that we work in. All right, but, all, um, all available immediately. Yeah, on Friday uh, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can from watch a, them all today. Yeah, yeah. Now binge watch them. Yeah, from nine thirty tonight. Yeah, right. So, yeah. so he lives in a semi-detached. Yeah. Right. What does yeah. he do? So yeah, he's got a property maintenance firm. Yeah. So uh, he's sort of a little bit of everything. Uh, James, a co-writer and director, that's what his parents had. So it's one of those things where you sort of... No, it's ambiguous of what you actually do. Right. There's big job. They had a, the Wilkinson's job where they go and put all the light bulbs up in Wilkinson's and that was sort of their big number. So, yeah, it was, we, we, we sort of went through... Would he be a scaffolder or what would he be? I mean, I don't think BBC One's ready for a scaffolder character quite yet. Um, but but we, we get halfway there, though, because scaffolding does feature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in episode one, there is... Uh, yeah, episode, episode three, it's in there. I mean, it's a big part of my life, Chris. Um, um, yeah, episode one is about a uh, building site bully, a building site prankster. Right. Uh, and Gary's got to deal with him. But at the same time, Gary's wearing glasses for the first time. Yeah, I mean, that, this really happened to you, didn't it? Yeah, when I was 27. I needed glasses from school, but I was sort of a bit worried about wearing them where I grew up. So at 27, I debuted them on a, on a building <laughs> site. And everyone was like, what, are you going to go to university? You're doing an uh, open university Isn't that course? Mad? Isn't it's, that yeah, crazy. Mad? I guess I suppose people just weren't used to it. And glasses, yeah, I got ripped for it. But um, so that's the sort of slight, sort of the, that tradition of sort of for the first time getting. Yeah, changing your image. I like him. I like your character. Oh, thank you very much. Because yeah. I know, I mean, he's very much like Morgs. I mean, nobody knows who we're talking about. Vassal knows, yeah. don't you? But he's just, he's hes like, hes de- it's definitely a, a, um, a, a live to, a work to live yeah. existence. But so he, all- has, he has loads of energy. He's got a business. Yeah. But for him, his, king, his, ca- his home is his castle. Yeah. You know, he's the king, literally the, Gary, the king of the castle. And he's, he's family at everything. And that is the main show in town. Yeah, and I think that's the, the, the big thing of it. We wanted to make a guy who who goes out to work but wants an amazing life. For, for It's sort of, you know, um, aspirational. Uh, and the sort of working class, he sort of loves his wife, he loves his kid. He, you know, he, he wants the world to be perfect. We sort of crown the phase geezer diva with him. He, you put, he puts everything on a pedal stool, so invariably everything goes wrong, it starts to fall apart, um, and that's sort of the crux of most of the stories. But it's... Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that it was. A, I've, I've stretched myself here and there as an actor. Uh, this, this is very much sort of me in a sense. And and people come up to me after the pilot were, you know, oh god, that idiot that you play. We know an idiot like that. And I'm like, that is me. My wife will tell you that is me. Like, I, I get the ump about the smallest things in the world. And most of our arguments will happen about me getting the ump about the bins or I, so. I, like. I think it's going to be massive. Honestly, I do. Oh, I'm just saying because you're here. I think I'm, I think it's brilliant. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Um, so, so it seems to me it's one of those casts that you're all going to have a laugh on and maybe off the screen afterwards. Yeah. No, I mean, everyone got on really well. I mean, the thing about it as well is that most, I'd say all the cast and a lot of the uh, crew as well, we were sort of from... The, from the background that we were we were sort of making really uh, the, yeah. the, that working class background but yeah everyone got it was we filmed it over the summer we had these f- football tournaments that just got unbelievably competitive so the director broke his we had it all culminated in this massive sort of seven aside game with the crew and the cast 
and the director broke his ankle in a really rash challenge. I got elbowed in the face, and then I was filming in the well, afternoon. How tall was the guy that elbowed you in the face? Because oh, you're going... six foot seven. <laughs> I think it was a dive. It was halfway through a dive in Edda. <laughs> yeah, we have Tom's uh, King Gary, which is BBC One tonight, half past nine. It's a big slot. It's a big show from a big guy with a big heart and a very clever, big comedy brain. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Uh, Dapper Dave, over to you. Who are we talking to next on the At program? At age 22, our next guest has worked with Harrison Ford, Emma Thompson and Martin Scorsese. is a computer game designer, plays the bass guitar and writes his own scripts. Basically, he's bone idle. <laughs> Season two of the smash hit Netflix show Sex Education is available from next Friday. And here to tell us all about it, it's the super smashing Asa Butterfield. <laughs> Hello. Hey. Asa, Thank welcome. you very much. Well, so for people who hadn't seen it, like me up until yesterday afternoon and my wife and, and my kids hadn't heard it till yesterday afternoon. Obviously, they couldn't watch it because they're 10 and 7 no. they, could, they heard it and they said dad I went, well, what are you doing uh, I'm research is what I'm doing uh, tell people what it is uh, so sex education is a story about um, it's about this kid Otis is my character whose uh, mother is a sex therapist played by Gillian Anderson and it's a kind of look at um, at teenage life and, uh, and, uh, and the ups and downs the usual kind of things but uh, my character is has his own struggles uh, with himself sexually, uh, trying to kind of connect with that. Um, but due to his relationship with his mum, he also has this weirdly savant-like understanding of why his people's, what people's sexual hang-ups are and why they are. So he starts a sex clinic at school, a sex therapy clinic. Well, he's, he's sort say. of cajoled into it by, by, by Maeve, isn't he? Yes. Reluctantly. Yeah. So he's of... got the knowledge and she's got the schutzpah. Exactly. Yeah. And um and they start this kind of team and um and and, and help the kids at the, at the school with all their kind of sexual problems. And she's and... super cool, super experienced, super sassy, super super hard if you like. And and your character is sort of none of that. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he he isn't. I mean, he's got uh He's mature in a lot of ways. He's very um, mature. Because he's very grown up. Yeah. And if you have a therapist for a mum, which I actually do, so I, I could relate to that in a lot of ways. your mum's a psychologist. Yes, my mum's a psychologist. Um, so when I was working with Gillian, I felt there were some <laughs> sort of moments I was like, this is eerily familiar. Um, but... Uh, yeah, he's he's Maeve's the Maeve's the brawn. He's the he's the brains. Which bit, the... which bits were eerily familiar <laughs> over others? <laughs> um, I just, honestly, mostly just the kind of the the openness of conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, I mean, when I was a teenager, I was like, "Mom, stop!" But now that I've grown up, it's actually uh, it's a good thing. It's, it's great cool. to have that. Uh, because teenagers don't want to talk about sex. I mean, no parent wants to talk about sex with their kids either. So it's a kind of. But it's funny, isn't it? Because you, you know, it's it's about it's about sex. It's about the challenges, the frustrations, uh, you know, of being that age. But also, actually, what it's about is people's identity, isn't mm. it? That's what it's about. Because you're struggling with both those things. You're struggling with growing up. You're struggling with your sexuality and sex itself. But also, you're struggling with your own identity, which you haven't even formed yet. You haven't figured it out. And so uh, it's a car crash. It, it is. It is a bit of a car crash. But it's. It, we, we show, I think we show it in quite a, a beautiful and sensitive way in a kind of, yes, it's about sex, but I feel like we do it without it being like deliberately like raunchy or no, it's sexy. Just, it's, it's just completely just, honest. Yeah. That's what's yeah. brilliant about it. Yeah. It's funny because it's honest. It's so uplifting. Mm. You know, when because there's always a pre-title scene. There's a couple of, there's a 90 seconds, two minutes pre-title scene. Then you cut to the title sequence and you, you there's that lovely, um, it would be in a helicopter shot. It's probably a drone shot now, isn't it? Going like the river, why is that? Oh, the, yeah, we, oh yeah. and you just go, oh, I can't wait for the next 45 <laughs> minutes. This is, I don't want this to end. It's not even begun. 
It's one of those shows. Oh, oh, I'm glad you think so. I mean, that's what we all hoped, kind of making it. Um, but I mean, the, res- the response we got for season one was like, unreal. Um, it was so positive. Like, around the world as well, everyone seemed to kind of connect with it, which is which is insane. It's what you want. It's the, the, all you can want. The breakout of chlamydia is hilarious. Well, it's not. It's not. It's not. Is it? It's. It's a. It's a virtual breakout of chlamydia, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. It's. It's. Um, it's, a, it's a, what is it? Hysteria. It's hysteria. It's hysteria. It's, it's hysteria. Um, as as school kids are. But uh, yeah, the opening <laughs> of season two it, it kicks off quite. Um, and you've got a new girlfriend. Uh, Sorry, I say you. You know what I mean. Yes, Otis has a girlfriend. Um, it's her first day at school. It's her first day at school. The new school. The new school. And does and she know that you're the you're the kick-ass sex therapist? No. So there's there's that sort of <laughs> silent thing that's haunting Otis, um, and and all the kids still think he's a sex kid, so coming up to him asking him various questions. Yeah, but I'm no longer giving out advice. He's no longer giving out advice. But then you have to because they're in the throes of what they think is a chlamydia epidemic, and they're yeah. not. And they're not. And he also. <laughs> <laughs> and but he loves it. That's the thing. Is as as Eric says, he he is at his best when he's talking to people about their. But his former genitals. agent Maeve has gone to work in a, a, a pretzel store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's out of school. So how, yeah, it's like how, how are they going to get her back together? Season two. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Bassos, have you seen this yet? This show? I'm really looking Does forward it to it. Does it make you want to watch it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I know you two have seen it, but if not, would this interview make you want to watch it? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, my, my cheeks <laughs> actually hurt from grinning. So. <laughs> That's it. It's just joyful. It's joyful and it's joyous. Uh, what are you looking forward to seeing? I, what am I? 1917, I've been dying to see. Um, I mean, there's quite, there's a, I don't see enough movies just you, in general. You're 22. It's all right. You've got the rest of your life. It's true. Yeah. yeah. i got plenty of time. What's it like being 22 nowadays? What's it like being 22? <laughs> What's it like being 22 in 2020? Uh, I don't know. It's just is what it is. <laughs> What's it like not being 22 in 2020? You don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy it, mate. Enjoy every last minute of it. All right. Sex Education um, is available from next week. That's season two. Season one available on Netflix now via Sky Q. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. From playing a last minute Romeo on stage to soon portraying a terrifying killer on the box, our next guest can turn his hand to almost anything. The gripping new series White House Farm starts tomorrow night on ITV. So, ladies and gentlemen, on your marks, get your tellies ready because it's the one and only. Freddie Fox. All right. Good morning, Freddie. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Okay. Does he have a lovely voice? He has a great voice. Uh, White House Farm. Okay. This is a grim tale. It is. Um, but it's a, a tale that, that is that is going to be well told. Uh, tell us about it and tell us about your experience making it, please. Certainly. Uh, it's the story of um, the White House Farm murders, the aftermath, uh, and ultimately of Jeremy Bamber being convicted of five counts of murder of his own family uh, in 1986. And... Um, that's sort of what happened. The five members of one family were killed on one summer night in 85 and it looked as if it was uh, the daughter, Sheila Bamba, adopted, uh, as was Jeremy, uh, who killed the family and then turned the gun on herself. But And the police bought that theory very, very quickly and wanted to sweep it under the rug to avoid too much adverse media attention. And then, But the family particularly, extended members of the family, cousins, did not believe that that could have happened and that she was able to do that. Uh, and they made a certain police officer who also didn't quite believe the, what was being presented to go back into the case and reinvestigate it, ultimately leading into Jeremy's how conviction. How long did that take? The, so the seed of doubt was always there with a certain, certain members of the family. And one particular police officer? One particular police officer called Stan Jones, who Mark Addy plays in our show, and he always uh, doubted 
uh, Jeremy's version of events because it was uh, it was Jeremy's word against you know Sheila who was who was he said had gone mad and shot everybody because his dad had called him up one night and said Sheila's gone berserk with a gun and then the phone went dead. Right. This is what's happened. Uh, and the police bought it because she was found with a rifle on her chest and a Bible by her side and it seemed an open and shut case. And of course, <laughs> the way that mental health was perceived at that particular time wasn't exactly enlightened. So they bought it and uh, it took mm, six months or more. I can't remember, about six months for the truth eventually to be uh, to come out i say the truth uh jeremy bamber has been in prison for 35 years but he's still uh campaigning for his innocence and you were very careful not to over sensationalize this because it's so dramatic anyway yeah and, and then you, you i suppose you have to you have to go you, you have to go for the drama you have to go for the hyperbole and then do you do you rein it back in the edit or how does it how does it come back well, to us paul whittington who's the amazing director of this was very very uh uh, clear from the beginning that he did not want anything to be gratuitous. It had to be done right. Obviously, you need to feel the weight of the the import of the of the crime and how gr- hugely grave it was. It was the biggest mass murder of its time for, I mean, uh, until very very recently. Um, so you need to feel the pain of that, and particularly that two boys, you know, died of that. But you never see the boys dead. You certainly never see the crime committed. And you, the camera is always at, almost, at, I would say, at a respectful distance from. Uh, the, the 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 necessarily perhaps slightly gruesomeness of the crime, and so you're never you're, you're never sensationalising in the way that the media at the time did so egregiously yeah. uh, and defamed Sheila Bamba uh, and called her a nuts model killer mum, all of this awfulness. Um, it, it, it's trying to redress that and sweep away some of the clutter that uh, has been created. All right, so tell us about this wonder story, if you don't mind, Freddie. Yeah. Uh, your Romeo and Juliet international rescue story. Oh, right. Tell us about that, if you don't mind. <laughs> like a St. Bernard dog yeah. going into the theatre. I, it was just... A, I, I, I was, I'd done Romeo and Juliet a year before at a different theatre and um, had talked about doing it with one of my dear friends, Lily, who ended up then doing it for Kenneth Branagh. I wonder why. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, I was down in Dorset in, with my family and, and I got a call from my agent, who is also Lily's agent, who said, look... Richard Madden has done his ankle in and his understudy's done his knee in. Is there any way... Were they having a fight? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I The understudy trying to get on. <laughs> it was me. I was fighting. I, uh, I, uh, I, is there any way you remember the lines? Because it would be great you'd have the opportunity to play that part with Lil. If you, if, you know, maybe we could put it to Ken and see what he said. And I was like, oh, God, I don't know. But I said to mum, have you got a copy of the play in the house? And they said, yeah, have a look. And I sat in the garden and, I, and weirdly, it's with good writing, and that's the best writing there is, it sticks. And so it, I read it and I thought, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, it's there. If I have a, a day or so, I could probably get it back into my head. And so I went to, back to London. I, we said he could do it. Would you like him to do it? I think they thought, well, either that or we have the theatre dark for a week and, you know, have to turn all those people away. Why not? Give it a go. And they knew mine and Lil's connection over those years. I went to London. We rehearsed it in her house, um, <laughs> you know, just sort of using the sort of lip of a bath as like a sort of balcony, like mimic. <laughs> and uh, and we did it. Yeah, I had the most wonderful time with my Good best friend. I mean, yeah. that, is, that is hats off. You have so many tales. You're only 30. You talk like a veteran already. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I've been lucky, I guess. So do you, do you, have, a, do you have a plan? Do you have a, a wish list? Uh, not really. Uh, just to work. I, that's my wish. Yeah. I'd like to work until I'm my dad's age. Yeah, and uh, older. All right. And so, um, 
You're in the crown. Uh, yeah. You've got a great role in the crown. Haven't you? You've got some GCL roles, haven't you? <laughs> Who do you play in Series Four of the Crown? I play Mark Thatcher in Series Four right. of the Crown. So uh, tell us about your Mark. Tell us what you can about your Mark Thatcher. Oh, what can I tell you? Well, I, t- I can tell you that the same director who directed the Bambi Show also directed it, Paul Whittington, and I had the blessing and luck to work with someone who I really respect for a second time. That's wonderful. Mark is uh, again sort of slight, a slightly en- enigmatic character. Both, I've spoken to people who, who knew him who describe him as utterly charming, completely lovely. And, of course, there's a certain public perception of him that's perhaps not quite so flattering. Um, and certain things that happened over the course of his life that were a bit controversial and gone to the papers. And So finding a balance that um, does a three-dimensional justice to somebody who is slightly controversial. Anything else you'd like to say before you go? No, thank you for having me. It's so, such a pleasure to You're be here. You're such a great you. interview. You're such yeah. a great, fantastic... And well done on the travel news because it's important work you're doing there. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> wonderful and you do it brilliantly. Uh, right, White House Farm, episode one, ITV, telling the story about um, about the, the Jeremy Bamber sto- the murders, uh, the, the mass murders in 1985. Five, 1985. convicted in 86. OK, so as the premiere is tomorrow, it's at nine o'clock uh, on ITV and it's six uh, hours over six weeks. Thank you very much, Freddie Fox. Thank you, Chris. Top man. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. As you wade through leftover chocolate and gaze at the remaining booze, take a quick break and listen to our next guest. His new book, Feel Better in Five, has quick and easy steps to get healthy, feel better and help shift that wheel of brie you're currently wearing around your waist. Let's say new year, new me and welcome Dr. Rongan Chatterjee. Good morning, Rongan. Chris, thank you so much for having me back on. You're very welcome. Feel Better in Five is this book that's doing phenomenally well straight away. Your daily plan to feel great for life, okay? So what can you tell... Just give us um, give us the best things you could tell us about this book that are the most useful things to our listeners. Well, the biggest obstacle to people making change, Chris, is time, right? So this time of year, a lot of people, a lot of your listeners are going to have been making New Year's resolutions. And one of the big problems is we set our goals or we set our resolutions too high. And nearly 20 years of clinical experience but also the very best behavioral science tells you that the way you make a new behavior turn into a long habit is by starting small so every single thing in my new book takes five minutes to do right. maximum okay right now that sounds a bit like a gimmick but let me just tell you um about one of my patients that really illustrates just how powerful this is so about six years ago this 42 year old chap came in to see me a little bit overweight struggling with energy and a bit low in mood. The sort of problems that are very, very common these days. Now, after chatting to him, it's quite clear to me that his lifestyle was probably contributing in a huge way to the way he was feeling. And I discussed a number of options for him. And he really liked strength training. He said, look, Dr. Chassie, strength training, that's it for me. I'm going to do it. Um, can I do 40 minutes three times a week at the gym? Would that be okay? I said, that'd be amazing if you can do that. So he goes out full of motivation, big smile on his face, to go and have his workouts. One month later, when he comes in to see me, I asked him, I said, hey, how are you doing? This time, body language completely different. He's like feeling, looks a bit ashamed of himself. And he says, hey, doc, work's been really busy. Uh, the gym's quite expensive. Uh, it's quite far from work. I've not actually been yet. Now, Chris, I never thought, why has he not done what I've asked him to do? I thought, Rongan, you're clearly not giving him advice that he feels is relevant for him in the context of his life. So I took my jacket off and I taught him a workout, <laughs> a strength workout. I said, right, I'm going to teach you a five-minute bodyweight exercise that's in the book that basically you don't need to join a gym, you don't need to buy any equipment, and you don't even need to get changed. And I said, I taught him it and he said, yeah, I love it. I said, I want you to do that for five minutes twice a week in your kitchen. He's like, what, 10 minutes a week? I said, yeah, that's it. 
He goes, all right, yeah, no problem. So he goes away. One month later, he comes in. I said, how are you doing? Body language completely different now. He's got a big smile on his face. Dr. Chachi, I love it. I started stop doing it five minutes twice a week. Now I do it for 10 minutes every evening before my evening meal. He's been doing that for over five years now, yeah. right? And I've, I've got stories like that over and over again from my patients because it's all very well giving people the best advice, but if no one's going to do it, there's no point. Um, so you've got to make things easy. So for people who are trying to make their resolutions stick at the moment, right? One tip is you have to make it easy, right? Amazon do this, right? When Amazon moved to one-click ordering from um, non-one-click ordering, their profits went up by about $300 million a year right? That's because before you had to take three or four steps before you place your order. Now, before you've even blinked, the item's getting delivered the next day. When you make things easy, people do them. I mean, you have to get, I mean, we could have a whole, a whole other conversation about the fact that, you you know, this is great and it, and it is 100% great. It's a million percent great. But the busy life thing bothers me because it's like, well, you need to sort the busy life out. But as I say, this is the key to that door. But, but you're right. But doing, so the, the plan, right, is... Physical health, mental health, and emotional health. So I, I have five-minute uh, what I call health snacks for your mental health, five-minute health snacks for your physical health, five-minute health snacks for what I call your emotional health. So that's your connection with other people, which is a really, really important part of health. And I say to people, if you, do, if you give me three five-minute intervals five days a week, I will transform the way you feel. I've seen it over and over again, Chris, so I know it works. So for mental health, which we know is a big problem, I'm saying all I want you to do is give your mind five minutes a day, whether it's five minutes of breathing, five minutes of flow state, right? I had a 42-year-old lady, right, who had stress, sorry, 46, she was, uh, stress-related migraines, and we tried all kinds of things. The medication wasn't helping her that much. Ultimately, what we settled on was five minutes of accessing flow state every morning. So what does she do? Adult colouring in books, yeah. right? So... Her kids are causing mayhem, trying to get ready for school. And I convinced her when she has a morning cup of tea to lock herself up in the living room. And for five minutes, she colours in. Within four days, her migraines went down by half. Two, three months later, she doesn't get them anymore. Before you leave, I know you've got to go. Um, Wrong and Chatterjee and the London Marathon 2020. Oh, here we go. Sounds sounds neat to me. It does to me as well, I have to say, Wrong. Is Is that a challenge on air? Yeah. It's 16 and a half 16 weeks 16 and a half away. weeks. There's a 16-week plan. Martin Yelling has the perfect plan for you. Vassos can help you with that plan. Rachel's doing it for the first time ever. You are the man. This is your year to do this because this will be your springboard. Come on, do it. I, look, I, I know three of my mates are listening to this right now who will be laughing their head off. Look, I'm never one to, uh, to, to turn down a challenge. So, okay. Let's do it. I don't know if I can get a place. Having we, said we can that. get your place. We'll get me a place. In fact, to be honest, we pre-ordered you one before this interview. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay great. So you're on board. I'm on board. Let's do it. I'll do you a training plan. Do me a training plan. Uh, yeah, I'll take a you quick later. one. <laughs> Please do. Uh, do you have a time in mind? Yeah. <laughs> it's all about enjoyment. It's all about switching the mind off. No, okay. I'm. Uh... This is great, though, isn't it? This is great. To be fair, this is the kind of stuff I've done to other people, so it's time to eat my own medicine. Uh, Ron Chachi, his brand new book, uh, Bet, Feel Better in Five, is out now, and his podcast will literally begin to rule the world in about five seconds. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast, and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.